Praise be the Sacred Heart of Jesus and the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Welcome back to another edition of Real Presence Live as Father James Gross and Father Jason Leffer, priests from the Diocese of Fargo, are coming to you from the near Southside Historic District in beautiful downtown Grand Forks, North Dakota. No, no Father Father Gross. Yes, Father Leffer. Very, very important question about the near historic down, downtown. Right, I know right. they're doing road construction. Are, are they covering the cobblestones? What's going on there? On- the granitoid pavement is being saved on some of the side streets, but on that main stretch of 4th Avenue South, they're kicking it out because it's gotten to the point where it can't be salvaged and patched anymore. History is being paved over. <laughs> Marching boldly to the future. But, but, but uh, suspensions of vehicles are being saved. <laughs> so I guess with everything, there's a little bit of a compromise. Even uh, just a, just to a block of where we are right now, there is exposed in part of that granitoid pavement some of the old tracks from a trolley system. Right, right. So, you know, if a person is looking for history, they can find it if they know where to look, right? Absolutely. <laughs> Very good. Well, we've got some great conversations on tap today. And before we launch into any of those, let's just go ahead and uh, begin with a prayer, if we could, please. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. God, our Father in heaven, we thank you. We praise you. We worship you. We adore you. Father, we rejoice in the word, Jesus Christ, uh, spoken over these airwaves today and in our hearts. We thank you for the sacraments, the sacramental grace. We thank you for how generously and graciously you've provided for us. Father, we ask you to send your Holy Spirit, Lord of giver of life into our hearts, our minds, our imaginations, our memories. Uh, Stir us fully alive, especially spiritually this morning as we, in in the gospel this morning, we were challenged to have ears to hear. And so we desire that all of us have ears to hear and hearts to receive. And we ask all of this through Christ our Lord, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, we're beginning our show today with another great uh, discussion of a literary work that I don't think either of us had been familiar with, and it's about a story that you think you know all the different parts of, but I ended up learning an awful lot as I was reading through this, Um, and uh, you are visiting here with two Gen X um, uh, generation uh, kids who grew up on the Great Plains and know a little something about uh, hard times and agriculture. And uh, so we are welcoming back with us Nancy Gord. Uh, welcome back to Real Presence Live. Well, thank you. It's always a pleasure to be here. And we also have with us a fellow priest from the Diocese of Fargo, Father William Slattery. Welcome back, Father. Good morning, Okay. Yeah, you know, Father Slattery, you know, we've missed you here. You've been you've been stepping out <laughs> on us here, so we're gonna have to make you talk extra extra long this morning. Oh, okay. yeah. I was uh, was with uh, students uh, in Rome last month. So uh, yes, we were, yes, the high school pilgrimage. Yeah, we were enjoying the enjoying the sights and those holy places in the Eternal City. It was a, a great time. So, but sorry to miss you guys. <laughs> well, it's a great opportunity, and I'm sure that. Uh, one could really see things kind of springing back to life, you know, um, a couple of years after the pandemic had uh, set in upon us. I know that uh, people in different parts of the world are very grateful to have uh, a lot of, uh, you know, pilgrims and tourists back in their area. I'm glad that you were able to to join that group. So, Nancy, um, introduce to us the uh, book that we are going to be reviewing and discussing today. Well, the book we're going to be discussing is The Worst Hard Times which is an in-depth study of policies and climate conditions that led to the destructive dust storms that ravaged 
parts of our country and devastated families during the 1930s. And I find it to be a timely read due to the great concern we all have about the natural world and how our practices and our policies affect the environment as well as the economy. And also because today we face many repercussions of decisions made during the pandemic, another critical time in our history. Yes, very true. Um, I know I personally found this as, um, at times, a, a painful and, and difficult read, but but really mm-hmm. an important one in terms of the the lessons that it imparts and some of the data that it has. It's sort of an uh, it, it, it's kind of the opposite of how so many stories you know gear up to a happy ending. This story sort of has a happy beginning in terms of the illusionary behavior of people in certain areas, and then once the uh, Great Depression really sets in all the difficulties but um uh if one of you can just uh, tell us a little bit about this area it had a um a spanish name that the author refers to the llano estacado um this uh, area of the united states that uh, egan focuses on in this book well it, it is the the high plains region and it which became the epicenter of the dust bowl and that's Spanish term really refers to kind of stake planes because you couldn't really see anything from geographical markers. So they put stakes in the ground. And this whole area is a grassland. It was a grassland. And these grasses grew specifically and developed over 10,000 years to support the climate and the type of soil that was there. The bison were there for years and years. Then the cattle. But Egan drives home a great deal, and you read the book and know this, about what the plow did to those grasses. Can also, I don't know, Father Slattery, could you help our listeners understand, too, just um, what was going on on the economy side of it from like, the railroad's perspective, the landowners, the investors from from Europe who wanted settlers to come? What, what kind of things were they doing to get population to come to the area? Well, I, I mean, in our region, I think most of us are familiar with the Homestead Act. Uh, that, you know, I mean, there's a real reason why... A lot of our families, uh, from, who we have ancestors from Europe and, uh, are, are in this location of the United States because, um, one of the great, kind of great movements, uh, that happened in population change was, uh, the availability of land, um, and the Homestead Act that works so well to, uh, bring settlers, especially in the Midwest, um, and the Great Plains states, uh, to settle down to kind of create a new place for themselves, and it became very, much an economic boom for the United States. And um, kind of what happened, especially in then this kind of southwest area, is you have kind of a, a homestead act that kind of became inhospitable <laughs> to to this kind of program created by the United States. And the railroads right, were uh, developing, trying to link up uh, transportation, uh, kind of this kind of great work of uh manifest destiny that happened in this period of of our history um that collides in this area um and unlike the midwest and the great plains states you kind of have a, a tragedy that ensues instead of uh instead of the kind of progress and hope that everyone had been desiring 
And what were those conditions that all came together that caused this tragedy? Because there, there is a kind of a oh, melting, melting pot of tragedy that ends up. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's the, that's the difficulty that you have so much tragedy that develops because, and you can't really point to one issue as being this is what happened. Uh, but you have, you know, I mean, you have uh, kind of uh, areas of the country that uh, turned out to not be as sustainable for the agricultural products they wanted. There was great times. Uh, they had a couple of great years of moisture, but then when it came mm-hmm. to it, there was severe drought. Um, you have uh, the, you know, World War One, uh, and then the collapse of the economies, uh, which uh, in those times, too, like you didn't have <clears throat> a lot of the banking regulations that developed after that period and the experience. So you have kind of a run on banks, a real failure of, uh, of a lot of those systems that support economies. Um, and, and again, a- agriculture is a huge sector of economy. Um, and, uh, and then as you dive into that, right, as this uh, kind of spirals into real tragedy, you have a bunch of people who take advantage of each other, um, charlatans who come in, um, mm-hmm. who feed off of this. And uh, it all kind of collides into this, as you say, a melting pot of misery. There are some very vivid images that are given in terms of da- in terms of the daily life when we look at some of the things that people were experiencing. First of all, we know how precarious farming can be without mm-hmm. uh, various backstops of insurance subsidies, things like that. If it isn't mm-hmm. a, a hailstorm wiping out, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, what what was looking like a bumper crop in a certain place in 1929, as they mentioned, then there would be, um, you know, the dust storms, the lack of rain, uh, grasshoppers, and then um, a couple of the particular details in terms of kind of the give you the creeps things, um, how many people had to nightly inspect their beds for tarantulas and, and things <laughs> like that. The stories and, of the rabbits, like the here's the rabbit oh, drives. Yeah, I'll never think of the uh, yeah, I'll never think of uh, the the word rabbit drive uh, the the same way. Quite again. the same, I know. <laughs> yeah, and then um, you know, um, killing centipedes by holding a clothes iron up against the uh, uh, the wallpapered uh, walls of a house, you know, and and, and things them. like that. Yeah. yeah, and maybe Nancy, could you explain why? What were the things that set it up for a dust bowl, the, both on the human part and then a climate part that caused uh, those? conditions well first of all Egan does goes in and he mentions it frequently how important those grasses were because those were grasses that in times of drought and this is a dry part of the country you're talking about the panhandles of Oklahoma and Texas some areas that extend into uh, New Mexico Colorado and there it's normally quite dry but those grasses had adapted But you had mentioned earlier, there were some rainy years, right, and bumper wheat crops and good wheat prices. And so they kept planting wheat. But then it got horribly dry. All the grass that held the soil in place was gone. It had been uprooted. So you had all this dirt. And the terrible, and we know about wind living on the plains. Do we ever? Oh, the high winds, drought. And this loose soil that blew, I mean, in the book, when we read, excuse me, when we read it, we hear about all the tonnage of dirt that's in the atmosphere. It's mm-hmm. unbelievable how much rose up and blew yes. and the sickness, you know. It, yeah, what was there the, there was a new, there was a new type of pneumonia that came up. What was right. that? What, what do they name it? 
that dust pneumonia that mm-hmm. and it affected the little ones who got so very sick. And you were talking about daily life. Can you imagine waking up and having to shovel dust out of your house, put and, and, wet sheets up? You know, the irony. Everything? You know, kind of the irony. Again, talk about the conditions that came together. So many people by their doctors were encouraged to move to this area. Isn't for, that ironic? For respiratory conditions. And when they got there, they found healing for the respiratory conditions. Right, then, with the relief of humidity and, and all the rest of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So this uh, book is entitled The Worst Hard Time, The Untold Story of Those Who Survived the Great American Dust Bowl. And uh, I guess I particularly was proud of the uh, chapter early on that spoke about uh, the Germans from Russia. So in terms of those who are listening um, and and wondering, well, this, yeah, I guess we're we're kind of in the ballpark here. But, um, you know, it it speaks about, uh, you know, the resiliency of a lot of these families in terms of, you know, the, the hard times and very different sorts of circumstances that they saw. And how, how clever of the uh, those trying to get people to come there by putting all the commercials and advertisements in German. <laughs> you know, it's like to get them there. Right, right, yeah. And then also just, um, you know, the, 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 the way to try to salvage, um, you know, trying to salvage that way of life when so much was uh, precarious around you and, and various things like that. Um, yeah, so kind of the time frame, there was a, um, a, there was a boom very short-lived because of the uh, favorable conditions in the 20s. And then, of course, uh, with the dawn of the 1930s, there are a whole bunch of things that were happening with regard to, you know, a lack of uh, proper markets and transportation for the grain that people had and various things like that. So um, when we come back from this break, we're going to be looking at some of the more spiritual or or kind of uh, faith-related themes that can be extracted from this book as we're visiting with Father William Slattery and Nancy Gord. Uh, Please stay with us, and you're listening to Real Presence Live. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. Do you know a priest who has made a difference in your life or at your parish? One who has helped you through a loss, discern an important decision, or celebrated the sacraments with you and your family? Real Presence Radio would like to know about these amazing priests. Visit our website at realpresenceradio.com contact to nominate your priest. And each week on Real Presence Live, we will recognize one of our priests with a dozen donuts generously donated by a local business. Help us honor our fathers by nominating your priest today. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, Director of Advancement for Real Presence Radio with a creative gift planning tip. Have interruptions impacted your charitable giving? If you feel like you have less to give this year or are waiting until you get through these recent challenges, we want to let you know about some creative gift options that won't cost you a dime this year. For example, you could designate Real Presence Radio as the beneficiary of all or percentage of your IRA or make RPR beneficiary of a percentage of your estate or specific asset. Make a bequest commitment gift this year without impacting your savings or investments. To learn more about the benefits of making a charitable bequest, please visit our plan giving website at rprlegacy.org or call me at 701-290-4503. Let's get started. 
I'm Carrie Dew, Executive Director of Riverview Place. I've worked my entire career in healthcare as a social worker in the hospital, skilled nursing, and hospice settings. I love my job. Not only do I get to work with a caring, dedicated team that displays human kindness to every resident, it's a privilege to offer seniors a lifestyle that reminds me of what it felt like to grow up in the small rural town of Buffalo, North Dakota. To join our faith-based community, call us today for a tour at 701-412-1952. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Welcome back, everyone, to Real Presence Live on a Thursday. Father James Gross joined by Father Jason Leffer, and we have uh, Father William Slattery and Nancy Gord with us as well as we're talking about this book, The Worst Hard Time, uh, Exploration of History of the Great American Dust Bowl by Timothy Egan. At the bottom of the hour, we'll start our straight talk segment, and uh, we welcome people to start thinking about questions that you may have for either Father Leffer or for me, 877 50122 is that phone number. You can also leave those questions on the Real Presence Radio Facebook page. And just to give you a primer on that, I think we want to hit things, all things marriage, a little bit. Because yeah. it's marriage season, all that, to give you thoughts and thinking, get your questions ready. We're, Father Gross and I, we're we're ready to hype to speak about uh, the importance of the sacrament. We certainly want to hear from you first of all, because we hear from ourselves uh, quite frequently, Wait, which we don't <laughs> we don't shy away. From yeah, it, so. exactly. <laughs> You know, okay, hey, so uh, Nancy and, and Father Slattery, the, you know, as I'm looking at this this book in the title itself, the worst hard time ever. I mean, oh, sounds pretty depressing, mm-hmm. which which it is. I couldn't help but think, reflect back on from my childhood, teenage years, even as an adult, going back and rereading Ralph Moody, and he's he's famous for the book called Britches and also uh, mm-hmm. Sea Biscuit. And it's the same time period, and he he has this profound style of writing where he he develops the tragedy and all this and the loss of the father figure and so forth. But in his books, there's always at the end there's always this redemption that comes out of it, or this you know this new life and new hope or whatever. What um, are those themes present in this book? Like if I pick this up and I start reading it, am I going to be left in a better place, or am I just going to be depressed at the end of it? <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, uh, you know, I, I think. Particularly the author uh, kind of, in a real way, beats a dead horse here with, like, wanting to highlight the misery of it. And particularly the kind of the emphasis of his thesis that this was kind of a man-made reality. Um, And so, um, and I think kind of one of the things he wants to break out of is one of the problems that came about within this tragedy is that there's a tendency towards, like, a progress of, a myth of progress in the kind of human spirit, you know, like kind of a gambler effect. You know, when things are down, you double down. Because, <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. you know, bad luck's got to turn at some point. And uh, he kind of goes out of his way to really kind of show that the, there's kind of mentality, there has to be real change. And I would say that would be kind of the call, I would say, that Egan is trying to make. It's just mm-hmm. that um, this, there has to be kind of some sober acknowledgement of human responsibility. And that would say that touches on kind of a deep moral theme that uh, right. we're not just victims of our circumstances, um, but that we have to kind of use our human freedom both to learn and prudence and to kind of have that uh, in a real way onus of, of change. Yeah, um, and 
And just to follow up with that, Father Slattery, during the break, we were talking about something that at least I was reminded of from uh, the um, encyclical a few years ago, Laudato Si, where Pope Francis was uh, talking about, and he really uh, focused on the phrase human ecology, about how to care for the world's resources in a proper way, not to, you know, not in spite of uh, human progress, but taking into account um, uh, the the well-being of the human family, not just uh, in the short term of opportunism, but kind of in the long term. So what uh, thoughts came to your mind in that area as you were reading this book? Well, I think there's a great connection there um, with uh, you know, both Pope Francis's uh, document, but also even the the Minnesota bishops put out in response to Laudato Si uh, a document called Our Common Home, which basically is taking up his thesis on uh, building a human ecology. And it's, uh, again, recognizing that as human beings, we have this great gift of human intelligence, uh, of, uh, also the responsibility that as uh, those who are stewards of creation. I mean, that's what I think our Christian anthropology places this responsibility on us, that we have to uh, ensure that the goods of, of the Lord, which all of these things are, and we participate in that benefit, that they remain bountiful, uh, beautiful, and uh, we, we kind of use them not just for our own benefit, but in an understanding that He is the Creator, and yeah. we owe kind of gratitude back to Him. And that's, I think, I think the thesis there for um, Pope Francis is that, you know, this uh, the environment of our world, the, our common home, the planet, uh, planet Earth, uh, it's something that we have to be stewards of and not just uh, uh, people who can manipulate and use it according to our own whims. Right, and, right. Uh, and I think that's a, a theme that, you know, again, we see even secular writers, and Egan being a journalist, uh, he can latch on to, he, he can agree with. Again, there's a commonality there, because we see uh, through past experiences the failures of decisions, but also then in highlighting that, what are the changes that came about? Well, you have changes in baking, you have mm-hmm. regulation in agriculture, you have insurance subsidies. Um, you know, in a real way, we have learned, um, but... Uh, you know, this idea that, again, the tragedy, there's not a single person who you can identify and say, you caused this dust bowl. Right. But Mm -hmm. uh, as Solzhenitsyn would say, right, that line of good and evil does come down to the decision of the human heart, and it takes kind of a community to bring about change. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, Nancy, I also wanted to ask you about uh, kind of the, the the role of hubris, you might say, in terms of some of the problems, and and you know both in terms of what happened to the the, the land and various solutions that are being proposed. You know, there's a sort of a simplistic uh, idea. Um, in in terms of uh, FDR, well, you know, let's just kind of turn it into, you know, a different part of the country by planting hundreds of millions of trees, you know, and all of the rest of it. I remember when I was in uh, the seminary in Ohio, uh, there was a saying that uh, back during colonial times, a squirrel could travel from Michigan to Tennessee and not once have to hit the ground. Yeah, because of all of the, the forested area. And of course, in the Great Plains, it's a very different thing here when we see, you know, the the way things look. And so, uh, you know, I think there is a lot of um, uh, taking to task sort of the, um, the, the the hubris of people in order to um, uh, just try to change a place rather than to respecting, you know, how best it can serve the human family. Absolutely. And FDR was bound and determined to plant trees. 
and he put people <laughs> to work to plant these trees. But it's not necessarily in a place where they were meant to be. So it's almost like going back and not listening yeah. to those, the wisdom of the agriculturalists or the agronomists. Mm-hmm. You know, let, listen to us. There was a bad practice that went on in the high plains. Let's not continue making more bad practices by looking at land and not seeing what it is, but rather what we want it to be. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, that uh, agricultural point man, uh, Bennett, you know, he's, uh, mm-hmm. it's interesting how along with some of these land-grant universities, they were trying to find uh, species of grass and plants in Saharan areas in Africa, things like mm-hmm. that, in terms of mm-hmm. what's going to, uh, what's going to work, what can they seed, you know, in, or- in order to try to, you know, revive things a little bit. Uh, yeah. It was, it was interesting, too, like um, his point about, again, man's manipulation there where the, the tension between the Native Americans and the European mm-hmm. settlers and destroying the bison and trying to introduce cattle and the difficulty right. that that caused as well. Um, well, and it, it came to light in this book, too, is that there was almost a movement that if we destroy the bison then we will destroy the lifestyle of the indigenous. And so it was another way to kind of control that population. And then there was not only tension concerning the bison and the grasslands, but then the cattlemen who came had problems again with the sodbusters because they knew the importance of that grass. Of course, it, it was their livelihood, too because it fed the cattle. But the place was overrun with cattle at one point, and cattle prices went down as well. So uh, mm. the era of the cowboy was, was really at an end. And, and barbed wire was coming. The, um, you know, the thing that strikes me in all this as we talk, again, I'm, I'm always one who, uh, I'm always fighting for resurrection. <laughs> so, oh, I know. And the thing that strikes me is like, you know, there's definitely room here for Christ and the Holy Spirit. And, you know, in humanity's uh, struggle to appreciate one another as brothers and sisters, if, you know, as Vatican II is want to say, like, Christ introduces man to himself, you know, reveals the fullness of who man truly is. And, and apart from Christ coming into our public policies, into our economy, into our relationship with others who are different than us, we're just going to end up oppressing one another, or the, the mighty is going to conquer the weaker instead of making room kind of a thing. And so, I mean, like, just like the title says, The Worst Hard Time, um, yeah, he, he does a good job of bringing out kind of the bleakness and almost, you'd say, hopelessness or despair when when a, a whole melting pot of bad decisions go go hand in hand. Yeah. Well, I think, like, Father, there's just a great, I think, link also with, like, the prophets of the Old Testament. <laughs> I mean, you kind of see, like, how he kind of paints that narrative of the, uh, again, the kind of almost, you could say, divine response to all these kind of human realities that mix together um you know again egan doesn't paint it that way but you can almost see it like yeah human human hubris has to meet the justice of god and uh and again like this of god is always meted with his mercy so again there's this there is didn't destroy us but you can see uh didn't allow those again prideful elements to succeed they all came to disaster but then we're also left with that 
a kind of position of choosing to change, to convert our hearts, um, and as you say, to really start over. <laughs> reflect Christ in our policies. Yeah, start over. But again, from the point, not of oppression, but of a you more know, true anthropological position. It's it, it, kind of a reminder of a read like this that we say to our audiences. It, it's important to actually read things like this time to time to get in touch with how valuable it is to have our faith and active and what a difference it makes to have a Christian outlook and what it looks like if, if that's not being informed. Um, mm-hmm. Nancy, Father, we just a few seconds left here. What what do you have in store for us for uh, next month? Yeah, uh, so next month uh, we're looking at um, a kind of a small book uh, by the author uh, Václav Havel, called The oh, Voice okay. of the Powerless. And so it kind of, uh, he was a Czech journalist who became then the president of Czechoslovakia after uh, their uh, re- their independence from the Soviet Union. So it's kind of this uh, very, it's a short one. <laughs> Could you say the uh, title again? Kind of a, Could you the mention the title again? The voice of the Powerless. It kind of represents the kind of cry for freedom, liberty, of, of human rights uh, in response to the Soviet Union, um, right. and it's like around, around uh, kind of the the time period of nineteen eighty nine, nineteen ninety one. Yeah, the Vel- Velvet the Revolution in Eastern Europe. Yep. Yes, mm-hmm. very good. Well, Father Slattery and Nancy, thank you so much for taking time to join us today. And uh, oh, once, go ahead. Yep. And the the name of the book is The Worst Hard Time, The Untold Story of Those Who Survived the Great American Dust Bowl by Timothy Egan. So um, we're going to be stepping aside here for just a moment. And after the break, we're going to be listening to your questions and your comments, um, especially regarding marriage, marriage prep, and uh, some of those issues. As we come back after this break, you're listening to Real Presence Live. Live, engaging, and local. This is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. 